Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened the Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be wars and rumors of wars. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24, beginning in the third verse, it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Verse 6 is very important. It tells us, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Today, in our own time, we see war. We find nations invading and going to war with other nations. And we find rumors that other nations are planning to do the same. When we see these things taking place, we understand that these are signs of the coming of the Lord. Although these signs reveal to us what is to come, they also reveal to us what God's will is for us in the moment. We've been blessed not only in America, but also in many other parts of the world, to live in an unprecedented time of peace. When we have had interactions with war, it almost always is in some far-off distant place. Since this is the case, we can easily become callous to the idea and the concept of war. When war is going on in some faraway place, for many at home, it has no direct impact on their life. So over time, they begin to lose the sense of urgency and the sense of importance that comes with war. As Christians, we should take wars very seriously because they influence the whole world through their effects. Even though the enemy will stir up strife and divisions and wars, God will use even these things as part of his plan. There's an old song that says, What the devil meant for evil, God will make it good. We have to have faith that God will use even a war to further his purposes and his will. We've been promised in Romans 8 and 28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good 
to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. All things means everything, even wars and rumors of wars. We have to be able to perceive God's hand working in everything, even the worst of things. The first part of verse 6 said, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Last week we spoke about spiritual hearing, and we find that again here. Both the words hear and rumor in the Greek come from the same root word, akuo, which means to hear God's voice, which prompts him to bear faith within. This reveals to us that not only will we hear about wars in the natural realm, either through news media or some other source, we will also hear in the spirit. God will warn us inwardly through our spiritual ear, or he will give us a feeling that something is about to unfold. If we are attentive to his voice, listening to the spirit, and actively using our discernment, we can use that warning to be better prepared for what is to come. When a war breaks out, there are natural needs and spiritual needs that have to be met. And if we heed the inward warning and open ourselves up to be used by God, he will use us to fulfill some of those needs. This is why it is so important that we stay tuned in to hearing God's voice. The next part of the verse says, See that ye be not troubled. This statement is a command. It's not a suggestion, and it's not optional. There's no ambiguity about this. It's direct and straightforward. The word for see in Greek means to see, perceive, attend to, look upon, experience, discern, or beware. The concordance goes on to say it means to see with the mind, to spiritually see, to perceive with inward spiritual perception. This word is used in the future tense. The same way that we are called to use our spiritual hearing, we are also called to use our spiritual sight. We need to be able to inwardly see and be aware of what is coming. This requires discernment on our part. We can't be prepared for something that we're not even aware of. Once we've used our perception, our spiritual hearing and spiritual sight, give us the experience, and it's that experience that prepares us. Spiritual sight and perception is the first component of this. The other component of this is what comes after the word see. It says, see that ye be not troubled. The word troubled in Greek means to be troubled, disturbed, agitated, or alarmed. The concordance goes on to say it means clamor, tumult, unsettled, thrown into confusion, wanting to cry aloud, to scream because of being terrified, thrown into an emotional uproar, very upset, alarmed, and startled. This is not what we are to be. None of these things are a part of God's will for our lives. On the other hand, this is the point that the enemy wants to get us to, but we can't allow him to have that victory in our lives. 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. The enemy wants you to be confused, because being confused leads you to be in a state of disorientation. If he can get you into this state, it makes his work that much easier. He works through subtlety. He gets you to look in one direction while he does his work in another. If he can get you to put all your focus and invest all of your emotional energy on one single issue, whether that be war or anything else, he'll start to wear you out. And then when we go to face the other battles that await us in day-to-day -day life, we won't be as prepared as we otherwise would have been. In a similar way, the devil wants us to overreact and get too emotional because when we do, we start to think irrationally. And when this is the case, 
it's easier for the enemy to lead us to make decisions that we wouldn't have otherwise made. These are decisions that are not in our best interest. As we looked at two weeks ago, we have to guard our soul. We have to guard our mind and emotions and will. When war breaks out or rumors of it are circulating, we have to stay calm and sober-minded. We can't let something going on in the natural become a spiritual open door for the enemy to attack us through. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. As all the signs of the end times continue to unfold before us, it becomes more crucial that we stay sober-minded. We have to be able to be rational and realistic about what's going on and know the proper way that God would have us to react and to respond. 1 Peter 4 and 7 tells us, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. Prayer is essential. It's one of our most powerful assets. We need prayer, because we have to keep talking to and hearing from God. Times like these not only call for prayer, they also call for us to operate in understanding. We are called to be like the tribe of Issachar in Israel. 1 Chronicles 12 and 32 tells us, And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their commandment. We have to use our minds in the way that God has ordained for them to be used. We not only need to perceive what we face, we also need to understand. This is why we need to take special care and pay close attention that we don't allow ourselves to be troubled. The next part of verse 6 says, For all these things must come to pass. The word must means it is necessary, inevitable, it is a duty, what is proper, what must happen, what is absolutely necessary. We need to understand the necessity of war. It's an unpleasant reality, but it still serves a purpose. A good example of this dynamic is the life of Joseph. Everything he went through in his life had a purpose and was used of God to further his will for his life. Each event was one small piece of the puzzle that all worked together towards the end goal and the end result of his life. Even those times that we think of as horrible, like being sold into slavery by his own brothers or his years spent in prison, were necessary times. They had to happen. God does the same in our lives. The times of pain, trial, and tribulation are necessary. They must happen. There are two options during these times. They either make you bitter or they make you better. And which route you choose to go makes all the difference. If we only let the Lord help us, He will use these times to mold our character and us as a person into who He wants us to be. This is what He did with Joseph. All those dark times and low points that Joseph came across in his life were absolutely necessary. They had to happen. God used those times to mold him for the mission that he was on. After all of those hard times, God raised up Joseph to be the prime minister of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. Due to his position, when famine came upon the land and his family was in dire need of help, he was able to give them the food that they needed to keep them alive along with all the people of Egypt. Joseph's trials that he faithfully endured went not only to the saving of his family, but also the saving of his nation. Wars and rumors of wars are necessary. They're inevitable. They must happen. God sees the big picture, while we only see in part. God sees the overarching plan behind every individual event that transpires on the earth. 
We need to trust his plan as we move forward in faith. People today are asking the wrong questions. Instead of, will there be a war? We should ask ourselves, when there is a war, how do we as Christians properly respond? Let's go to John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, beginning in the 26th verse, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away, and come again unto you. If you love me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the Prince of this world cometh, and have nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. As the people of God, we react to war much differently than the world does. But this is because we have something that the world doesn't have. Today we have peace. Peace is not something that we can obtain or produce on our own. It's a gift, freely given by God, that He produces and works within us. The only way for us to get it is to receive it willingly from Him. In verse 27, we find the same command as we saw in Matthew. It says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We need to take this command very seriously. Allowing our heart to be troubled is detrimental to us if left unchecked. We have to guard our heart from the attacks of the enemy. How do we do this? We find the answer in Isaiah 26 and 3. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. This is a great promise from the Lord, but it's conditional. We can have the perfect peace that only God can give us, but first we have to keep our minds stayed on him and put our trust in him. This means that when things start to go wrong in the natural, we don't let it consume us and distract us from the things of the Lord. No matter what, we need to keep our priorities straight and keep God first and foremost in our lives and put our trust in Him that in the end, He will work everything out for our good. When we keep God first, it changes how we see and perceive everything else, including wars and rumors of wars. Noah Webster defined peace as freedom from agitation or disturbance by the passions, as from fear, terror, anger, anxiety, or the like, quietness of mind, tranquility, calmness, quiet of conscience. This is what the Lord desires for us to have. Once we have peace, we need to walk in it. Our peace should manifest outwardly. When everyone around us is panicked and worried, we're able to be calm and free from fear. This demonstrates to others who our God is, and it shows them what they're missing in their lives and what they need. Matthew 24 and 6 told us, For all these things must come to pass. This verse reveals to us the purpose of war, why it must take place. The phrase come to pass means to come into being, to happen, to become, to be born, to come about. The concordance goes on further to say that it means to emerge, to become, transitioning from one point, realm or condition to another. It signifies changing condition, state, or place. To come into being, manifestation implying motion, movement, or growth. When wars erupt on the world stage, 
God uses them as times of transition and times of change. The pains associated with it are growing pains. For the world, change is not always a good thing. Many times the world is left worse off than it was before. But this is never the case with the people of God. God only brings us out of something to lead us into something better, just like he did with Israel. The Lord uses war to remake countries, to refashion cultures. These changes directly impact believers because believers have to live within those countries and within those cultures. Change is always hard, no matter what type of change it is. Many times it's unpleasant. It's not what we would have chosen had we been given a choice. But it's our new reality. And with that change comes new open doors and new opportunities. They may not be what we expect, but they're there. A great example of this was the American Revolution. When America fought Great Britain, there was a lot of damage done. Countless soldiers gave their lives in service to their country on both sides, and many more were wounded in battle. Even though war was hard and long, when America won the war, overcoming insurmountable odds, a change took place, and something beautiful happened. Out of that war came a nation built on Christian, Judeo, and biblical principles, a land where the gospel was able to flourish and it has become a beacon of light and hope and freedom for the rest of the world. One door closed, but a new one opened, and new opportunities arose. If those fighting the revolution had only been concerned with natural things, they could have easily missed the opportunity to form a nation built on religious freedom, but God raised them up and prepared them. Then when the preordained time of transition came, they seized the opportunity. The key during times of transition and change is to endure the growing pains. When we do, we come out the other side better and wiser because of them. The last part of verse 6 tells us, but the end is not yet. Then verse 8 tells us, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 8 in the NSAB version says, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. The word that translates as birth pangs in the Greek is the word Odin. It means a birth pang, the pain of childbirth, acute pain, severe agony, a snare, to suffer greatly, extreme suffering. The concordance goes on to say it means the pain necessary to open up and introduce something new, to bring in more. This definition shows us that not only are wars times of transition, but that God uses them to transition us into the new work that he has for us to do. Our God is Elohim the Creator God. He is still creating today, and because of this, He desires to do a new thing. All the signs of the end times that we see occurring all around us are birth pangs, letting us know that our deliverance is soon to come. Until then, we still have work to do, and we need to be ready to enter into the new season that the Lord is bringing us into. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 to 19 tell us, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He wants to do a new thing. He wants to do it now, today. If we let him, he will use us to help usher in this new work. But we have to be willing to keep our minds stayed on the Lord and put our trust in him. By far, the greatest new work that the Lord is going to do is after he comes back. John said in Revelation 21 and 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. 
Then in verse 5, he said, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Until then, there is pain that we are going to have to endure. The pain is necessary if we are going to see the new and the better things that the Lord is going to do. The last thing that we need to look at is what we are called to do in the face of wars and rumors of wars. Matthew 24 and 13 told us, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. The concordance says for endure. It means for the believer. This uniquely happens by God's power. He calls us to endure, and he gives us everything that we need to do so. Only God-given endurance will get us through to the end. He enables us to be able to persevere and endure. Don't let yourself become discouraged when you hear of wars and rumors of wars. Let God produce peace within you. God will use even a war to do something new and great. He prepares us. And when we endure the birth pangs and the growing pains, God will lead us into that new season with victory. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that even though we find ourselves living in strange days, and even though we see wars taking place in the natural and hear rumors of other wars to come, Lord, we thank you that we are able to have peace. Lord, today we claim it in faith and we receive it. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to be enslaved to fear and anxiety and worry. We thank you that that form of bondage has no power over us, that we've been forever freed from that attack of the enemy. And Lord, we thank you that you are preparing us. And even through these horrible and dark things that are happening all around the world, we thank you that you are using these in your will to produce something new and great. And that many people all around the world are going to come to you because of these things that they see taking place around them. Lord, we thank you that there is freedom coming that there is new and great and amazing things that you have planned for your people. And we thank you that that is our inheritance and that these things belong to us. Lord, today we claim that victory, and we thank you that you are using us as a vessel for your purposes. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to endure wars and rumors of wars and have Jesus as a part of your life today, All you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.